Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Today's episode of the podcast is a special episode all about the future of work. And I wanted to get a perspective, get a few different perspectives actually, about what people think the future of work actually holds. So I reached out to a few people who had been previously on the podcast to get their thoughts about what the future of work actually means. I asked them to record a short clip and so we'll have a variety of perspectives. I'll introduce each of the guests before they speak so you know who it is. Let's kick off. First up we have Fiona English. Now Fiona was on episode number 22 which was part of the leadership series and she shared her thoughts on meaning and purpose and what that means for leadership. So I'm really interested to hear what she has to say about the future of work. You'll find Fiona on FionaEnglishPP.com. That's PP for positive psychology. For meaning and positive psychology, we describe it as having three main elements. So coherence, that is how we make sense of our world. Uh, Purpose, what are our core goals and values. And lastly, significance. So um, how do we live a life that we view as being significant? But for me, more simply, meaning is about narrative. So in the case of the future of work, what will our story be of how COVID-19 shifted the landscape of our approach to work and how it fits in life? And I think when we look back in years to come, this may be the moment in our story which drove a seismic shift not only in how we view work, but also how we do work. Long before COVID-19, there was what I would call a growing murmur of discontent with established ways of doing things. Burnout was rising, inequality was ever evident, a climate crisis was growing by the day. And from an individual perspective, people were seeking greater meaning and purpose in life and work. And although companies were crafting purpose statements, there did seem to be an ongoing lack of coherence between what companies were saying and what individuals were seeking. People were seeking greater depth and connection from companies in terms of recognising the role work plays in our life, its impact on our planet and how it contributes to a life we view as significant. So any unexpected change changes the direction of a story and with it the meaning of the broader story. When people discuss meaning in their life with me, often the stories they tell are of transformation following a period of struggle, the death of a family member, um, a period of illness or some similar trauma that they have suffered. A crisis shakes our belief systems and makes us focus more on existential questions such as what gives meaning or significance to who we are, what we do and what we want. And although these questions may have been there already, the trauma or struggle that we suffer forces these questions to the surface. So this collective trauma that we have suffered will be no different and will have sharpened the lens for people in terms of understanding if there is a mismatch between how things are in their work or their life and how they think things should be. And often it takes a crisis for us to recognise or have the courage to admit that a system or a structure or a company is not working the way we would like it to work. Underlying tensions or gaps between what gives an individual employee meaning and a company's purpose statement may appear more prevalent than before. And a willingness to accept this gap may have been lessened now by the individual who has suffered their own trauma during this time. As with any crisis, we may choose in our meaning story to see this as an opportunity. 
The crack has now appeared. It's my expectation that this will accelerate the desire for change, which may have been just below the surface for both individuals and corporates alike at this time. So something I've been reflecting on with clients around meaning making has been the tension between acceptance and choice. We're not going back to how it was before. Our world has really shifted in the last number of months. And how we react in any situation is part of the narrative of any situation. So in that context, I have been asking clients, what am I accepting now and what change am I choosing to make? Because there are certain elements of this that we have to accept. We can't change it. But in that, I suppose, period of change that has been placed upon me, what change am I choosing to make? Perhaps what change I have been thinking about. Is this an opportunity to do that? And the tension between the acceptance of what we can't change and what we're choosing to change helps us to craft the narrative of the story that we want for this time in our life or in our work. From a corporate perspective, narrative is also crucial to staff engagement. Who you are, how you react and the story you tell about that will help staff understand if they share in your vision and are aligned with your purpose. Some really interesting insights there from Fiona. Something that particularly stood out for me was this concept of how things are versus how they think things should be. So that has certainly shown up for me, taking time out to reflect on what's going on in my life, what's going well, what's going not so well. And definitely anecdotally, at least from friends, people are taking that time to think about what's important. Um, you know, a lot of people are feeling a little bit frustrated in work and they're realising now that there's there's more to life, really. Next up, we have Bernard Jackman. Now, Bernard was, he kicked off the leadership series and he spoke all about leadership and the concept of leadership and translating leadership from sport into corporate world or into business. Episode number 21 of the podcast Bernard is a former Leinster and Ireland rugby player and had some really great insights to share uh, in relation to structuring and what leadership really means and how to be a really effective leader, centering a lot around feedback and communication and shared purpose and values. So I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about the future of work and what that means for him in his corporate career. I think the future of work is, is going to be definitely different um, post-COVID-19 lockdown. Um, I think a lot of companies have embraced the, the virtual world, um, virtual meetings, flexibility in terms of um, time needed in the office will, will definitely change. Um, having said that, I, I still think the face-to-face meetings, the, the personal interactions, um, the creativity that you can have from um, working with your team on a project or strategizing um, won't go away and there'll still be a need for that. Um, client interaction uh, face-to-face will, will also play a part, but pay, maybe not exclusively a part. And um, I think everybody has really embraced this um, this crisis by you know using um, the virtual world to continue around our business definitely not business as normal um but i think the more we do of it the better we'll be in, in terms of um being able to build relationships uh, in an online way and not just not just face to face so um yeah i think it'll be a combination of what we're doing at the moment in terms of working from from home um but with 
probably a rotational basis of of getting access to the office and, um, and social distancing um, in, in our in our old workplaces, um, but yet having that. Uh, face-to-face contact at certain times of the week, maybe two days out of five for me is how I see it maybe going. Um, but uh, I do hope that um, you know we don't lose that that personal touch, which um, I, I think is important and, and makes us um, feel part of a tribe and, and helps us perform better. Thanks to Bernard there for sharing his insights around uh, what it means and and the immediate impact really of COVID-19 on how we work. So some interesting points there around meetings and virtual meetings. I know for me, there's been a, a huge increase in the number of meetings I can attend, but I'm actually being a lot more disciplined and in terms of managing my energy and what I'm saying yes to. So in a way um, that it's, it's finding the balance that way. Um, the fact that we've all had to get used to these new virtual meetings and and Zoom rooms and whatever you're you know whatever it is that you're using to connect with people, and yet the the importance of having that human contact is not going to go away. So it's really important to have that and thinking about how do we manage that not only from a safety perspective but really from a psychological perspective, going from a situation of not having any human contact or not that much human contact if you're in a kind of a small unit um, to suddenly being able to see people again and being able to manage that transition I suppose it's really really important. So next up we have Louise Goss. Now Louise and I recorded an episode of the podcast a good number of months ago at this stage and it's all about working from home so if you haven't listened to it it's definitely really relevant for what it is that we're going through at the moment. So check that out. It's episode number 11. And I'm curious to hear what Louise has to say about the future of work. Louise is the editor of The Homeworker magazine, and you'll find that on thehomeworker.com. The future of work is a fascinating topic to discuss, not just because I believe the future that we would have referred to just a year ago is suddenly a lot closer. And so the timelines for everything have shifted I spoke about the future of work on a panel about 12 months ago and about the rise of homeworking. Well, fast forward to a global pandemic and almost everybody already is now working from home. Now, it's not going to continue forever in this way. I understand that. People will start to return to the office. But I believe the past couple of months has acted as a catalyst for what was probably inevitable – We have seen the scope of what's possible to be done from home. We know the technology exists to facilitate that. More of us are going to be doing it. The majority of people I speak to say they'll continue to work from home, even if just a few days a week. And so I think we'll start to see an increase in flexible working. I think a lot of organisations will find they no longer have an excuse to reject flexible working requests. So we might see a lot more in the way of not just home working, but skewed hours and even shared roles. I can see already how this shift is going to affect not just where we work, but how we operate and interact, how we organise and structure our working days, our meetings, even our social connections. As we become more reliant on the technology, we might find that a lot more is going to be automated, maybe even scaling up the use of AI to take care of certain tasks, which will also allow people to focus more on their specialisms. But equally, the need for robust leadership and communication is going to be critical for a more remote workforce. So we're going to have to get better at managing, at trusting and at engineering opportunities to collaborate. 
While it doesn't suit everybody, more people are realising how unnecessary a lot of travel has been and how much wasted commute time there was. And from an employer's perspective, I think they'll be looking at all the potential reductions and overheads. Will they need the large office spaces in the centre of cities anymore? What about company cars and travel expenses? It was just a few weeks ago that the head of Barclays came out saying that big crowded offices may be a thing of the past. We might not see these changes instantly, but I can see how the working landscape in the literal sense is going to change too. We'll be looking at how we adapt our homes to suit home working and how all that commercial space can be utilised in different ways. Perhaps we'll see more community-based co-working venues, for instance. There are a lot of unknowns, of course, but this pandemic has forced us to reassess what worked and what didn't. It's giving us an opportunity to rebuild a more resilient, flexible workforce that no longer prescribes to an outdated nine-to-five model from the Industrial Revolution and modernise. It's going to take time to adapt, but it is giving us a chance for everybody to allow work to fit in more with their life rather than the other way around. Thanks to Louise for sharing her valuable insights there and some really great points made um, and potential increase in flexible working because there's no excuses now. We've shown that it actually works and we could potentially have shared roles or reduced hours. And certainly it didn't impact on me so much from the commute perspective because I often did work from home. And when I did go to the office, it's um, I have a, a co-working space, which is around a 10 or 15 minute drive. So not a huge um, amount of time. But I know some of my friends who are glad of the extra, you know, some in some cases, maybe two or three hours per day because they're not commuting. Interesting points as well about corporate spaces and what to do with, you know, with offices if people are offering a more or if companies are offering a more flexible approach. Um, what's what's going to happen to them? And another great point as well about adapting our homes, because at the moment it's kind of a cobbled together situation of um, I need to work from home. So I found a space, but really putting some thought into that and what works best for for when you're working from home. So next up, we have Simon Haig. Simon and I recorded an episode of the podcast a good few months ago now. It was one of the early ones, episode number six, if you want to check that out. And it's all about resilience. And again, something that's very pertinent to what we're going through at the moment. Uh, So it's definitely worth checking out if you want to have a listen to that episode number six. Simon has recently done a rebrand. You can check out his website on simonhaig.com. That's Haig, H-A-I-G-H. Aoife, hi, it's Simon Haig. Just giving you some ideas on my thoughts for the future of work. As I said in a recent um, Irish Tech News article and podcast, you know, this crisis is unlike any other. Um, we're, ex- we're experiencing a massive circuit breaker on the way things operated before. You know, in just nine weeks or so, working from home has become the new norm for many with you know, terms like social distancing, Zoom bombing and cocooning and quarantining have become, you know, common parlance. Um, Technology has never been a more essential and utilized resource than now. Um, you know, we're all facing video screens, shopping online, consuming a huge amount of digital online media. Uh, so how this plays into the workplace, the future of work, I've been fortunate enough to start a new um, podcast series myself called Inspire 2020 Visionary, and I've already interviewed seven of my 16 guests, and a couple of them, Stephen Kelly, who is the CEO of Sage, and Ted Rubin, who's the CMO of Photify. We, we both talked about the fact that 
in all crisis, you know, going back to World War II and, and, and obviously, you know, periods of disruption like the space race, um, what happens is that trends accelerate when you come through those periods. So I expect to see workplace trends uh, accelerating. So I suppose, first of all, an increase in remote working. Um, I've, I've done a bit of research. Gartner has analyzed that 48% of employees will likely carry on working remotely at least half the time compared to just a third before this pandemic. Um, and nearly three quarters of CFOs intend to increase remote work in their organization after the outbreak. So I think there's a lot of efficiencies to be made uh, and a lot of reorganizational robust robustness change to be made as well. Um, I think hiring managers really need to focus now on programs around digital dexterity and collaboration skills. And I've wrote a lot, written a lot about that for Irish Tech News. Um, conversely, I think HR managers really need to think about how the remote working shifts performance, goal setting, um, the whole area around data protection, um, and the fact that while video conferencing helps us get, 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 get the, the work done, uh, we mustn't overlook the fact that it's creating many challenges around screen fatigue, morale, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I also think the second thing then is, um, I've mentioned data collection. I think there will be a need for an expanded data collection um, through passive tracking of what employees are doing, uh, tracking computer usage, monitoring emails, virtual clocking in and out, but I think they're also already uh, demonstrating some data protection pinch points around that. So that would be the second um, major change, expanded data collection. Then I think employers acting as a mental health support, good, good employers, I think will move more into that, expanding healthcare coverage and financial support. That'll be the third area. The fourth area then is the conflict between marketing and, and financial management. I often talk about a three-legged stool. So C-suites need to manage, um, first of all, the first leg of the stool, they need to manage um, current costs and efficiencies while, and this is the second leg of the stool, continuing with campaigns and communications, but being mindful of sensitivities around cost. And then the third leg then is they also need to provide a bridge to the future in terms of the brand value in the future. So there's, there is already... I think there will be increasing focus on marketing, branding, advertising spend, and, and its effectiveness. Then the fourth area, then, I think, is expansion of casual zero-hour workers. Whether we like it or not, I think, I think that will increase uh, in, in corollary with uh, more remote working. I do think there will be an emergence of a new tier of more sought-after organizations, those organizations who put brand, uh, put purpose and mission at the core of their brand and are, are very sensitive in terms of providing value rather than selling. Um, and then uh, finally, I've kind of alluded to it, but I, I suppose that the, the final point then is, I think there, sh there will and should be a shift from measuring efficiency within organizations alone as a standalone to designing for more resilience and more endurance. Um, so providing more varied, adaptive, uh, flexible careers, cross-functional knowledge training, uh, childcare, um, and then obviously supporting remote working, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that helps. They're my views on the future of work uh, and how I think it could pan out. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Some interesting points there from Simon. So something that hasn't come up yet is around screen fatigue. And uh, I know certainly that's something that has um, impacted me. Maybe I don't realize it as much. Um, but being in front of a screen all the time rather than seeing humans face to face, it's very, very tiring. Um, he made an interesting point about good employers supporting mental health in the workplace. It's not to say that this wasn't on the agenda previously. However, it's it's like Simon said, it's per- perhaps accelerated the importance of it and being able to manage your mental health at work. Um, an interesting point as well about purpose and mission driven businesses. And I think that ties in nicely with what Fiona was talking about in terms of the narrative um, that businesses put out there and really being really clear about what that is. And also in relation to what what's meaningful for people and people realizing that they want to work for a certain type of organization. Next up, we have Charlotte Lockhart from 4dayweek.com. That's the number four, 4dayweek.com. I spoke with Charlotte's counterpart, Andrew Barnes, in episode number seven of the podcast, all about 4day week. And You may have seen the news article in relation to Jacinda Ardern, who is the Prime Minister of New Zealand, and she's advocating now for a four day week to kickstart the economy, essentially. Um, You know, and I, I think this global pandemic has really brought to the fore the need for flexible working and and the absurdity of a nine to five working day. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what Charlotte has to say. I will be recording a full length episode with Charlotte uh, in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Hi, this is uh, Charlotte Lockhart, CEO of Four Day Week Global. Well, post COVID, what a time we are in. It's uh, obviously quite a dreadful time for business as we head into this time which is less focused on the health outcomes and more focused on the economic income outcomes. Here in New Zealand, we've managed to squash the, uh, the pandemic quite thoroughly and we're returning to work in droves. Uh, we're still not quite there and we will be released to what we call level one over the next week or 10 days, which will also see a proper return to work. Our children are back in school and we are moving to what is probably going to be the new normal for a lot of countries around and we have a responsibility to be leaders in what that new normal might look like. So what is new normal after post-COVID? Well our employers all sent us home to work remotely. They couldn't see us working every day except for perhaps those who put us on a full day Zoom call, naughty you, Uh, But we as employees have had a chance to show our staff, our our bosses, how productive we can be. A little bit more challenging uh, if you're also having to educate the children from home as well. Um, And arguably, I'm sure you're all looking forward to a time when you can work remotely and have the children in school. At the heart of the four-day week discussion is what is business productivity? And as we pull ourselves out of these economic times and we look at how we can maintain employment, then what we'll need to be looking at is how productive am I? How productive? How can I support our business to be more productive? And bosses need to be looking at it too. 
preserving jobs is really important for our global and our individual national uh, economic outcomes. So it's a very important aspect of what we're trying to do as a world, keep our people in work. We don't know what the global outcome will be from all of this, but we do know that our world not, will not be the same. There are employers who cannot pay their staff full time. They might not have enough work or they just might not have the volume of custom. And so they will be starting to look at negotiating a reduced hours workplace with reduced pay. Now, in four-day week, we don't, uh, we don't really subscribe to the whole idea of reduced pay, but we recognise that these are very unusual times. But if we're heading into a time of reduced pay, then let's look at what is the pathway back to full pay, back to full-time hours. Let's not get stuck in that groove of pay, being paid less and working less. And then, if we are working less, what are we going to do with the time? This is an excellent time to be looking at your upskilling, looking at your uh, social responsibilities, looking at how you can use that time responsibly to build your career or to help our society. By using that time well, we are putting in uh, economic dollars in voluntary hours, in upskilling hours, and we will come out of this with a better educated and a better uh, society, and this is a good thing for us. So I challenge you all, what is your post-COVID experience going to be? We need to reimagine the future, because without reimagining the future, we're just re-engineering the past. What a powerful message there from Charlotte. I love that. Without reimagining the future, we are just re-engineering the past. I love as well how Charlotte talks about productivity and focus on productivity and outcomes. She did raise an interesting point as well around upskilling and what you're using the extra time for. So is that to build your career, to do something for your community? So thinking about other areas like that. I wanted as well to share some of my own thoughts about the future of work. And really, I think this global pandemic, COVID-19, presents a huge opportunity to change how we work and how we work has to change. It really, really does. Something I've spoken about on the podcast before is this focus on output or outcomes as opposed to the input. So traditionally, we look at productivity from a perspective of, well, I worked this number of hours but actually you don't really have the results to show for it. So it's really about focusing on what is important in order for the business to grow or whatever the results that you're looking for are. So really having that focus on what the outcomes need to be so that we can do better work in a shorter amount of time by focusing on what's really, really important. It has a, presents a huge opportunity for companies to offer more flexibility now that we've shown that working from home and providing more flexibility around work does actually work we can do it another thing that I did want to point out was around supporting local and supporting small businesses because I think it's really really important to do that especially when it comes to getting things back on track from an economic perspective so supporting smaller businesses supporting local I also wanted to acknowledge the severe 
impact that it's had on us here in Ireland, but also globally. And, you know, the loss of life or the loss of life of loved ones, the loss of jobs, the reduction in wages and the impact on people's mental health. So I just want to acknowledge that, that it, it has had a huge impact on us as a nation, as us, you know, globally as, as a human race, it has had a huge impact. I'm not going to necessarily cover that off right now. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not an economist, but I just wanted to illustrate that and I wanted to highlight that and acknowledge it. I would really love to get your feedback on today's episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts, hear your opinions on what you think the future of work holds for you in particular or for the world at large. You know, I'd love to hear what you, what you think about it. Now, as with the previous episode, and I got some really great feedback for this, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to some of the the different regions or the cities that are popping up on SoundCloud as some of the the top cities where listeners live. So shout out to listeners in Brooklyn, LA. So they were on uh, the last time as well. And uh, we've got now Minneapolis, Sligo, Portland in Oregon, Eagle Mountain. Now that's somewhere that kind of popped up quite early on in in the podcast and it was sounded like quite an interesting place. That's in Utah and um, if you're listening there I'd love to hear from you. Um, It sounds like a really interesting place and I I had to look it up to see exactly where it was. Uh, Another couple of places then Seattle and uh, Stevenage as well in the UK. As always, if you want to reach out to me, absolutely feel free to do so. You'll find me on LinkedIn under Aoife M. O'Brien. And that's the, the link or just Aoife O'Brien if you want to do a search for that. That's A-O-I-F-E, Aoife. For all those foreigners out there, I tell them to read it backwards because if you're Irish, you know how to say it and spell it. But if you're not, yeah, oftentimes you don't. Thanks so much for your support and thanks for listening to the podcast. And I will chat to you again next week. Keep the feedback coming. I always love hearing from you and getting that engagement on social media as well. If you're listening, feel free to tag me on social media. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.